Hello and welcome to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor as well as the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of the show, all the contact links are in the description of this show. And if you would like to rate the show positively, I would appreciate that. Negatively, uh, that's fine too. Uh, Have you ever wanted to be a mechanic? There's no doubt that the demand for mechanics is pretty strong, but but what does it take to really become a mechanic, and how do you learn to work on electric vehicles when, you know, used to just open up a hood and folks would just figure it out, right? Maybe it was passed on, the trade was passed on from uh, generation to generation. Well, today on the show... In just a little bit, I'm going to be speaking with Brittany Grandy. Now, Brittany, is a, for a time, was the only female ser- field service engineer within General Motors. Basically, she was the highest and finest level of vehicle diagnostic uh, that and training that you can achieve. Well, we're going to talk to her about the need for more mechanics, and they have a training prog- program over there at General Motors that will help pay for you to learn the trade and get working right away. It's pretty interesting. They uh, offered uh, Brittany up, GM did, to uh, talk to her. So I'll have her on here in just a couple of minutes. But first, a couple episodes back, we talked non-state issued license plates. Pretty popular in the sovereign citizen area. Um, I did hear from a couple of those folks. It was interesting to see how that uh, story uh, took off. And while I have to admit that one of our competitor stations here in town did a pretty nice job researching this story, they went over to the Colorado Motor Vehicle Division and they made one of these open record requests to get all the rejected vanity plates. The state said, no thanks. (laughs) uh, The station learned that the state of Colorado rejected more than 23,000 requests for vanity license plates in 2021. 23,000 rejections. That's remarkable. Uh, The state said the plates were determined to be either offensive or were omitted omitted for not meeting the state requirements, like being misleading. Now, here is just a fraction of some of the non-vulgar license plates that ended up on this reject pile for the state of Colorado. I didn't want to throw in all the vulgar plate ones, and you can imagine what they are. Uh, 303, which is the major area code for Denver, ASPN for Aspen, obviously, FOCO, F-O-C-O for Fort Collins, Vail was another one. Why not Vail? These are all the food and drink related ones. Beer, I guess you could see that one coming. A BYOB, that one too. Cafe. Why not have a cafe? Especially if you own cafe. A fish, food, go donut. <laughs> what? Go donut? I, what, what's with it? Uh, all right. Um, or I guess it could be pronounced God O-nut. Um, <laughs> either way. A got beer. Eh, all right. Lime. What's wrong with lime? Or M-Dew, which is probably for Mountain Dew. Oven. Why not put oven on the back of your car? Pear, pork, red meat? What's wrong with red meat? I would love to see a car with red meat on the back of it. Soup, Tabasco, eh, maybe because that's a trademarked name of a product. Taco, wine, wino. I could understand wino, but why not taco? (laughs) 
Now, these other uh, plates were rejected uh, uh, because of pop culture references. Baller. Well, that's, I don't get why some of these are being rejected. I guess they have uh, more sensitive rejection uh, personnel than, than me. I guess I wouldn't be a good person to be on this rejection uh, uh, committee. A boss. Boy toy. Eh, I could see that one. Dog. D-A-W-G. But you could. What if you were a uh, Georgia Bulldog or a... Uh, what is it? Uh, Gonzaga? Aren't they the Bulldogs? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other sports teams that are Bulldogs, and you could go dogs. Uh, gangsta? I could understand that. Cool, with a K, K-O-O-L, or, or it could be the uh, 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 cigarettes. A uh, Whack? Tool? What's wrong with Tool? It'd be great for a handyman. Uh, some of these re- some of these are the, now the rejected plates that were just deemed as strange. Uh, poop? I can see poop not being, uh, and dog poop also on that list. Yeah, but, <laughs> Y-E-A-H-B-U-T. I don't see that as a bad one. Acne and Xbox. Acne? That's no good. Uh, here are some of the other plates that were rejected uh, in general in Colorado in 2021. A blockchain, B-L-O-K-C-H-N. Uh, burn, damn fast. Dear E-W-W-W, <laughs> that's a good one, fake, uh, film, foot, glee, hate to be you, H-A-T-E, the number two, and then the letters B and U. Hate to be you, what's that's creative, that's that's cute. You, you know what, I wonder if some of these uh, plates would actually work on other states. Uh, you would think Texas or Florida would allow that. Uh, H-E-1-1 cat. So I think that's for Hellcat. Somebody trying to be creative and get one on their, uh, Hellcat. Um, hi to you with the number two and the letter U. Uh, I H eight Ford. So basically I hate Ford. <laughs> uh, you would think it would go on a Chevy, uh, jail. That'd be pretty ironic if somebody was caught for driving under the influence and, had jail on their license plate. Uh, lady, love, meow. What's wrong, meow? My girl, NASA, nerd, uh, news. That would be good. I, I was always thinking I could uh, put traffic on mine, uh, like traffic guy. T, and, and, you know, usually it's TX for traffic, uh, like TX guy. I wonder if that would get rejected. Uh, nice, Nike. I can see that one. Nope. What's wrong with nope? A park, play, plug, poet, purr, with a lot of R's. Puff, ride, riot. Well, I don't know. Uh, Rome, roar, rude, sauced, scrooged, short bus. (laughs) Okay, I can see how that one didn't make it. Uh, Smog, snot, snow is perfect for Colorado. Snow, why not? Uh, soul, star, talk, the bomb, uh, wolf, walk. How did walk not make it? Um, extreme is X T R E M S T, which would be, I guess, extremist yawn. Yes. With two S's yoga, zeal, zig, zon, and Z's. Lots of Z's. Something I guess you obviously shouldn't do behind the wheel. <laughs> My um, father-in-law had a license plate, uh, and it was T-U-B-A, the letter N, 8-R. It's Tubinator. 
because he plays the tuba, and <laughs> so he wanted to be creative. And he actually has on his uh, his uh, personalized license plate on his car, well, as for Weiss cars, for my the number four, my girls, G R L S. That worked, and he has that. He's had that license plate for a long time. It's funny. I should have told him this not too long ago. I saw one that was for my boys. The exact same thing, except it was boys instead of girls. <laughs> so there you go. All right, we're uh, already seeing more EVs on the roads, and one issue I've come up against with in my car is that I can only get it service at the dealership. And we've talked about how all the automakers are going to go all electric, so that means there's going to be a growing need for mechanics to work on electric vehicles, as well as the traditional ICE and diesel cars and trucks. So to talk more about this as someone who knows all about this issue, until recently, Brittany Grandy was the only female field service engineer within General Motors. A field service engineer is the highest and final level of vehicle diagnostic training you can achieve. So basically, she steps in when a technician is unable to diagnose a vehicle at the dealership level. Brittany, thanks so much for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Hey, Jason. How are you? Very good. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it very much. Thanks so much for having me. So before we get into the issue of needing more uh, service techs, what made you interested in fixing cars? Were you a car kid? Were you somebody who loved cars growing up? You know, I get that question often, but my journey into the automotive industry actually began when I was going to nursing school, if you can believe it. And I drove past a Chevrolet dealership and out front they had the most beautiful car I'd ever seen. I didn't even know what kind of car it was at the time, but it turns out it was a Corvette ZR1 and something just drew me to this car. I just had to learn everything I could about it. And so for the next two weeks, I start researching this car and finally I get enough confidence to go up to the dealer and test drive it. Needless to say, the test drive was amazing. And that semester I switched from nursing to automotive. So with no prior background, I learned everything from the ground up. I completed my schooling and worked my way up in the dealership to eventually becoming the Corvette specialist. Yeah, we'll talk more about that coming up in just a bit. But what was it about that Corvette? Was it just the look of it or or something else that you fell in love with? You know, even to this day, I don't know. But what I can say is, you know, all I did was follow that passion and it led me to where I'm at today. Didn't that Corvette Museum cave in a bunch of years ago? It, it, I think it's in, what, Kentucky, Ohio? What That had to hurt you like when, uh, when Obi-Wan was feeling the force when Darth Vader blew up that planet, right? Yeah, so the Corvette <laughs> Museum is located in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. I mean, okay. it's definitely definitely a place near and dear to my heart. And so when that happened, you know, that was that was definitely a devastation. But they have rebuilt, and it just looks phenomenal now. What is your favorite year Corvette? If I ever could have one, it would be a 61 Corvette, you know, red with the white trim. Okay, very interesting. If it were me, I would have my dream Corvette, which is the same one that I saw, 2011 ZR1. Um, but I'm very partial to a 67 427 four-speed, black with the red. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's something about those cars. They're just they're just really cool, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and that love for that car, for that Corvette, led you to, as you mentioned, wanting to then get into the service industry and start servicing these cars. And, and you earned your way as the first female field service engineer at General Motors. That had to be a special moment in your life. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and GM welcomed me with open arms, you know, and it's been a wonderful experience. But, you know, as you're working towards this, you know, I would like to say that if there's someone that hasn't grown up around cars, you know, you could actually consider this as a career. You know, if you're just someone who's naturally curious about how things work or maybe you just like fixing things already, this could be a career for you. And one of the ways you can do that is through our GM ASAP program. It's a two-part program. And at GM, we understand that shop experience is just as important as classroom training. So while you're going to school or like in a classroom environment, you're also paired to a GM dealer through a paid internship. That's right, you're getting paid while you're going to school. And so after two years, you leave with an automotive associate's degree. And because you've already been in a dealership environment, you'll then get to take advantage of some of the benefits like great income, uh, paid time off, 401k, and medical insurance. I imagine it has to be challenging to attract people to fixing traditional cars because of the extensive training that's involved. And, and you really probably, as you've learned, need some uh, time under the hood to really get it right. Absolutely. And that's why this program is so amazing. Getting paired with that dealership, you're getting to put that classroom training um, into actual real life application, which is just amazing. But is it hard? Is it challenging to find? I mean, every business is having a difficulty attracting people into their industry. Doesn't matter what it is. Is it hard to find people to come into the automotive industry right now? It is. And I think a lot of that is due to that negative connotation that a skilled trade can't lead to a rewarding career, you know, and we, we really want to change that misconception because to be honest, the auto technician role has changed so much throughout the years. It's a highly technical role to meet the evolution of today's vehicles. You know, we're talking about EV electric vehicles. We need people that are actually ready to work on those. And if you've seen some of the technicians recently, when they're walking up to a vehicle, they're not walking up with a wrench. They're walking up with a laptop. Yeah. And, and you know, you started uh, working on cars at a small independent auto repair shop. And there are probably lots of people like you who can probably just walk up to a car, tear it down, build it right back again, uh, just because of the years you have doing it and the passion that you have doing it. Do those skills working on a traditional ICE car, internal combustion engine car, do they translate into working on an electric vehicle? Absolutely. You know, and when you talk about the the shift in the maintenance, you know, those things that we talked about, we've still got tires, we've still got battery. Even though we start to talk about electric vehicle batteries are different, some of these concepts still stay the same. The theories are the same. And when you mentioned a battery... It, that has to be one of the, obviously, larger components in a car. I own a Chevy Volt. It's a 2014 Chevy Volt. Um, but when it comes time, and I have 106,000 miles on it, so I'm going pretty good, but eventually that battery, I would like for it to be replaced. Is that something that uh, your folks are able to do, or is this just a, a way for people to learn how to, like you said, do the brakes, do the tires, do the oil changes? In my case, it has the generator in it. That's right. So... At the dealership environment, you are able to get that battery replaced, you know, and that's where all of this training comes in and, and the growth opportunities there are just um, exponential. So, you know, as a service technician, you can go on to become a master certified technician, um, electric certified technician, or even GM world class like myself. 
Now, GM, as, as you mentioned, they have the program Bring Us Your Talent Initiative where you're looking for people to hire and train and, and you have those paid internships. And so it sounds like it's a great deal. Is, is this for just looking for folks who want to work in uh, on electric vehicles or is it also going to help them work on traditional ice cars or even diesel uh, trucks and cars? That's an excellent question. And the answer is both. Absolutely. Because we're still going to have the internal combustion engine vehicles or ICE vehicles. And then we're also seeing this this shift into EVs. And what this training is going to do is we want to have well-rounded technicians to do that. And so, yes, we're recruiting for the GMA set program, but we're also retaining for our recently launched GM Excellence Program. And what this is, is to recognize our current dealership technicians that continue their training and GM is giving them quarterly rewards for it. Is there a perfect candidate, somebody who likes cars and wants to do this, or or could it be open to anybody who's just interested, but just looking for a career, maybe not the biggest car aficionado? It could be either or. Like I said, you don't have to grow up around cars to get into this industry. And what I would like to do is I'd also like to point out, you know, I think a lot of women um, are fear, fear that they won't get taken seriously if they do show an interest in cars, or maybe they, they're embarrassed to ask questions about vehicles. But similarly to how vehicles have evolved, so has the automotive technician role. Being able to problem solve or figure out puzzles is the key part of this job, something that both men and women both do very well. And I'm working to change that misconception and show that women can be successful in this field too. So it's not necessarily a job where you, you need to be super strong because you're 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 taking a, a tension wrench and you're cranking things down. You, you like you said, you're working with laptops, you're working with computers, and and you don't necessarily have to be the biggest, the brawniest, the uh, burliest person to work on these cars anymore, right? Absolutely. There is a tool for everything. And in fact, you know, let's say you're, a, you know, someone who weighs 150 pounds and you need to torque something to 250 foot pounds. You know, we have tools for that. A torque multiplier, for instance, would make that job super simple. And as these vehicles are changing the profession, you know, we're using more and more computers rather than the mechanical tools. How much different is it between training for a traditional car with a internal combustion engine to an electric car where there aren't the same moving parts. There isn't the same transmission. It's not powered in the same way. How's the training between the two? And is some of that interchangeable? I would say it's very similar. Um, You know, it, it's a little different of holding a drive motor. You don't really do that, but you don't hold a transmission either, right? And so we don't have these tiny little parts that we can, you know, put in our hand, but we, this, the learning principles are still the same. And one of the interesting things you said earlier was that this is a paid internship, really. So we hear so much about people going to college and coming out with thirty and sixty and ninety thousand dollars in debt. You're gonna be able to learn a trade and not have that debt and and have a skill that is really transferable anywhere in the country. Absolutely. And that's a great point because not only is there job security with this type of profession, but anywhere you go, there are GM dealers um, looking for work. And so this is really a great profession to get into. And we would talk about tuition of GMA sub. 
it's between nine and $16,000, which is nowhere near some of those four-year degrees. And how long does it usually take? What kind of a commitment in time is it? And then when you get out of this training, uh, does, does GM help get you a job with a GM dealership or are you out on your own? <laughs> the best part of this is it's only two years. And while you're participating, you are in, ending up in a dealership. So GM can help you help place you in a dealership. Um, or you can just choose one of your own. If you know one that you really like, you can start working there through that internship. And then once you graduate, you can continue working in that GM dealer environment. And the best part is because you've had so much training already, you're at 80% GM trained right out the door at the end of that two years. Does somebody who wants to go into, they, they're, they're attracted to the electric vehicle market. And they want to learn more about it. So they go through that training, but then find, well, it's maybe not for me. And then maybe want to switch into the uh, diesel engine market. Could, could they change the training during midstream and then, or, or work on both or get certified for all of the above? 100%. Yes. And that's the beauty of working in the automotive industry is you can just follow your passion, just like how I became Corvette specialist and Corvette certified. You know, anyone can change at any time. You can get all of the certifications if you just if you so decide. Uh, but obviously, that takes more time and, and more money, I'm sure that, that for, for anybody who wants to do that. No money involved. If you're already at the GM dealer level, um, working as a service technician, all of that training is available to you. Oh, so if let's say if I was already working there for even a couple of years, I could keep getting more and more trainings and certifications. Absolutely. The sky's the limit there. Considering the hourly rate that I'm charged anytime I go to my local Chevy dealer to take my Volt in for service, uh, I imagine the pay has to be pretty de decent for these techs, right? So when you were talking about the GM ASAP program, um, starting pay is kind of dependent on where you're localized, but starting pay is usually around 28000 But for some of these technicians, the salary can go up to over $100,000 per year, especially if you decide to become one of those fully trained technicians like a master tech or GM world class. Well, $28,000 is like 12 bucks an hour. I mean, how can somebody live right now on just $28,000 and still go through that training and, and be able to survive? So a lot of that is, is like I said, through the GMA set program. So what we're looking at is that's more of the, the lower end where you're still going to school and you're being trained. All right. So that's the basically the pay as you're working through the program. So you said it was a paid internship. So it's basically the pay you're getting for that internship. And then what can you expect to earn when you are just a, a regular tech working at the, my, you know, my local dealership down here? Like I said, it's all dependent on where you're located, um, but a lot of it is is based on your level of training. And so as soon as you complete the program, you know, you're sitting at around 80% GM trained. So a lot of that's going to dictate, you know, where, where in that pay scale you're going to fall. Um, so if you look at GM world-class technician um, or even master tech, you're looking at over $100,000 per year. So you're going to be below that because you're not going to be in that range, but certainly you can work your way up to that. I know there are some independent shops. You obviously started at an independent shop. Um, and they're going to start dabbling. I haven't found one yet that would work on my Chevy Volt, so I have to take it back to the dealership. And with more EVs coming to market, you're going to find more people wanting to take it to an independent shop. Uh, so I imagine there has to be 
some of these shops that are going to be popping up? How do you mix what GM does with your training and then taking uh, having somebody take their car to maybe an independent shop that doesn't have that training? Or, or how do those folks get trained on these cars? And Or, or maybe it's, you know, former uh, GM trainees or, or, or service techs that are, are going to be starting independent shops. Well, I can't speak for what the independent world is doing, but what I can say is that, you know, we're definitely focused in on making sure that our technicians are fully trained to work on these electric vehicles, especially with all these advanced technologies, you know, we do have to keep up. And so keeping up that training, um, we're, we're continuing to work towards that. And I know that we've also offered training to um, some of the first responders on safety and things like that. And so I'm, I, like I said, I can't speak to independent shops. But, the, but, but you have being, to realize there is a place for independent shops in, in the automotive space, right? Absolutely. You know, like you said, that's where I started. Um, in fact, the shop that I worked in specialized in 60s and 70s vehicles. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure that's down the road. Speaking of down the road, where is the EV technology going here in the next year, 5, 10, 15 years? Well, I can't speak towards the future, but what I can say is we're super excited for the future and that um, you know, what we're seeing right now with how advanced these vehicles are, I think a lot of our customer base is going to see um, just how intriguing and amazing these vehicles really are. You are as you said, a, a master technician, basically certified auto technician, right? Do you still get to get under the hood occasionally? Absolutely. Um, and in fact, whenever I am called out to one of these, um, vehicles that need my assistance, you know, I'm working side by side with the technician and a lot of what I enjoy about this job is I do get to teach them as well. And what are some of those questions that they have? What are some of the issues that they come up with, come to you with while they're trying to work on these vehicles? Um, a lot of times, you know, it's it's more of uh, having to figure out um, which path we need to go down diagnostically. And a lot of that comes with experience and, you know, being able to have that training of how this system works versus what do I do when the system doesn't work properly? Um, and that's where we fill in the gaps. You are a, as you said earlier, you are an aficionado. You, you love, you, you, you are really in love with Corvettes. Are we going to see an EV Corvette? And how does that push-pull within you, looking at that Corvette that you fell in love with, to maybe a future EV Corvette? You know, I can't say what the future holds, but I feel like if we do do something like that, I think we'll all find out at the same time. And I think whatever GM decides to do as far as EV goes, I think it's super exciting and I look forward to the future. But, you know, you're a car girl. I mean, you're, you're looking at your, when you drove it, I'm sure you test drove that car, like you said, right? You test drove that car. And, and yeah. there, there's a certain feeling when you're in that Corvette and you hit the gas and you go, and I'm sure that would be similar in an AV. So uh, I, you, you have to have a feeling about that some way. Well, here's the cool part about electric vehicles. Electric vehicles actually have full torque off the line. So you do have a lot of oomph, if you will, whenever we're talking about electric vehicles. No, I, I know that from, from driving the Volt. I, I understand. And, and you have to have the right tires. And they also, <laughs> you, you also act, drive differently in the snow. And I know that living in Colorado, you definitely drive different in the snow because of that torque issue um, with the EVs. 
That's correct. And, you know, some people aren't actually used to um, the full torque off the line. Um, so I do encourage others that if you haven't driven an electric vehicle, definitely get behind the wheel and see for yourself. All right, Brittany. Well, I know you got to go. So thanks again for your time. Thanks for the conversation and uh, best of luck. Thanks so much for having me. And if I could just say one more, you know, if if you're someone who's interested in problem solving, naturally curious about how things work, or if you just enjoy fixing things the way they are, then um, you can go to bringusyourtalent.com and check out some of our GMA step schools. All right, Brittany. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. All right. Well, I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I guess Brittany doesn't want to talk about the future. Um, <laughs> I would imagine that she would have had some idea that they're going to probably come up with some kind of a Corvette, uh, electric Corvette, right? Maybe she knows and she just doesn't want to spill the beans. That's the way it seemed to me that there was some uh, information that she had that she wasn't going to tell me that she knows there's going to be an electric Corvette in the future and and she doesn't want to she doesn't want to be the one to break the news on on my little old po- podcast here uh, or for for Denver 7 news. So um but <laughs> I still can't get over Brittany not wanting to answer any uh anything that had to do with uh uh, the future. Um, so, <laughs> so that was that was that was odd, though. I mean, I mean, seriously, everybody knows about the future. Everybody knows. Everybody wants to talk about the future. Even I mean, seriously, I mean, well, she fell in love with a car that that has the engine. I mean, would you look at a at a Corvette now compared to the old classic Corvettes, which she didn't seem to, to like very much? But when when you when you look at the the Corvettes. The ones now, I mean, it's a beast of a vehicle and it holds an enormous engine. And so what kind of a vehicle is it going to be and what kind of uh, uh, enormous battery is it going to have to give you the same level of acceleration performance that those kind of drivers are looking for? Um, And and that had to be something that she enjoyed is that kind of uh, acceleration and and feel for the road. And I, I just wonder how that translates from uh, a traditional ice car to a electric car. But well, <laughs> we're we're not going to go to the, we're not going to talk about the future <laughs> at all. So that's when I that's when I started crossing off any questions about uh, autonomous Corvettes or autonomous cars and how she's going to work on that because. We're not talking about the future here. We're talking about the present. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's that. Uh, thanks again to uh, General Motors and to Brittany uh, for coming on. Anyway, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can give me a call on the listener hotline at 303-832-0217. All my contact links are in the uh, description of the show, including my contact link uh, for WhatsApp. I just can't get over it. Anyway, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Liber, the traffic guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.